Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. My name is Nkechi Waffle Robinson, and I am founder and CEO of Empowered in My Skin, an experienced technology executive of one of Canada's largest financial institutions, an author, an international federation of bodybuilding pro athlete, an inspirational speaker, and a viral sensation as my You Matter speech has hit over 6.5 million views worldwide. This show is all about thriving. And I will be bringing on some amazing humans that own their thrive to help you figure out how you too can own yours. So please leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on and make sure to join along on the web at empoweredmyskin.com so you can be notified when new episodes are available. For now, I'm your girl. Let the show begin. Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to the next episode of the Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. On today, oh my God, she said yes. She's an amazing guest. She's a millennial money expert, a financial accredited financial counselor, a speaker, award-winning personal finance blogger, and host of the Mo Money podcast. This woman also shifted my the way I started to think about finances, my finances. She made me actually take action in my life. I'm so excited to introduce you to her. Put your ears together for the amazing Jessica Morehouse. Oh my yeah. gosh. Thank you so much. I feel so good right now. <laughs> so I have to tell you how I came to find you. Yeah. So um, we're in 2020. So it was 2018, probably about August timeframe. And I wanted to put a little bit more intention into you know, what I was listening to. I was typically listening to a lot of mindset, you know, health. I'm in big in fitness. Mm-hmm. So anything really around like mind, body, and soul. And I'm in technology. So, you know, and I said, you know what? I got to f- frame up my week. So I came up with like motivational Monday, technology Tuesdays, wellness Wednesdays. And it was, and then on those days, I really focus on either blogs, articles, podcasts, whatever. And Fridays was financial Fridays. Ooh. And I was like, well, how am I going to, what am I going to listen to? So I just, did what people do. I Googled. And, and so I found the maple money podcast Mm -hmm. and I listened to episode number two. And that was you. That was me. <laughs> and you guys were talking about RoboCops and Robo Advisors. Robo Advisors. Oh my God. I love that RoboCops. I Robo- wish. <laughs> I wish RoboCops could help us invest our money. <laughs> Robo Advisors and ETFs. My first, yes. like, so I'm listening to all this new lingo. But here's the thing it made me want to do more. And I, you know, and I'm so happy that you know, this is an empowered in my skin, um, podcast. And it's all about how as humans, can we be more empowered and learning is a really big way. And so what you did was you actually made me make an appointment with a wealth advisor. Ooh, yay. And I remember going in and telling him, I want to do like robo advisor. I wanted to, and, and, uh, and ETS. And he's like, ah, oh, well, we don't really do that. But, but anyway, at, at that point, we just started to unpack my finances and, mm-hmm and start to look at them. And uh, so this episode is going to be all around, not just only helping me for sure. I'm a student of this experience, but helping everyone, all of the listeners, how we can get more empowered in our finances. So, Mm -hmm. but it had to start somewhere. Yeah. Did you just wake up? No, we all start somewhere. I mean, the reason I started was I was a broke 20 year old 
uh, who just graduated with a fine arts degree in 2009. So couldn't find a job, had no money. And that's where I'm like, huh, um, that's not what I signed up for. I was told if I studied hard and got a degree, everything would be peachy keen after I could, you know, do that life checklist, uh, like we were all told. And then the recession happened and I'm like, this is not what I expected. And, my older sister, she's three years older. She had just finished her master's in English. And, you know, you know, when you have an older sibling, sometimes you're kind of like, okay, so that's where I'm going to be in a few years. Um, but we were actually kind of in the same place. Cause she, you know, uh, took time to go back to art to finish, uh, that degree. And, um, she was kind of in the same boat in the recession, trying to find work uh, with you know, overeducated, uh, underexperienced. <laughs> um, and she wanted to figure out, and she was living on her own at the time and, uh, was trying to figure out how to stretch her, you know, very limited budget and was reading, uh, starting to read personal finance blogs and books. And she actually was like, Oh, you might actually like some of this stuff. Cause, um, I liked, I, I always just generally liked money and I was always pretty frugal, but mm-hmm. didn't really have much education education about it. And so I started reading blogs and just got absolutely hooked. I'm like, I didn't realize this was a thing people talked about, like, especially some of the blogs back then, there's still lots that do it now that would literally show you, this is how much I make. This is how much I spend. This is my net worth. Like, I'm like, you're showing your, your amounts. Like no one talks about that. That's incredible. I mean, I've never been brave enough to ever show my uh, numbers, but also I I didn't want to do that. I'm like, I don't want people finding out where I live. And you know, (laughs) it was a bit (laughs) scary, you know? Um, but it was so helpful to read other people's financial situations because it gave me a better perspective on where should I be at or what should I be thinking about? And so that inspired me to start my own blog. And then, I mean, long story short, I just kept on educating myself and really pursuing this as a career and eventually figured out a way to somehow make a full-time income. Now I run my own business. That's all about financial literacy and helping people with money, which apparently is my purpose in life. Cause that's kind of what it feels. I've been searching for like, what am I supposed to do on this planet? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I think this is it. Oddly enough, never you're thought very, this would be where I'd be, but here we are. You're very natural at it. And you know, I'll, <laughs> you know, I'm a woman in technology and it's a, it's not a space. Well, now, now there's a lot more women, but obviously mm-hmm. when I joined about 20 years ago, there wasn't a space where a lot of women played. I don't know what's the what is the makeup of women in finance. I know as women we don't talk about finances very well. Yeah. Um, well, I'd say like in terms of like the financial industry, it is still very male dominated. Um, it is getting better. Like when I started my blog, which is almost 10 years ago, it was pretty much just male voices. I was, I always gravitated towards the female voices. There weren't a lot. Um, and it's grown so much. Thank goodness. There's more like, I, I, I couldn't tell you one personal finance author uh, who was a woman 10 years ago, maybe Suze Orman, that's about it. Yeah. Um, or, or Gail Vaz Oxley, that's it. Um, everyone was uh, male and uh, you need different perspectives and different voices, yeah. you know, and it's a lot different now, thank goodness, but we still have a way further way to go, especially in certain niches, like investing mm-hmm. still a man's, you know, kind of uh, field. And we need to change that because a lot of women aren't investing, yeah. don't feel confident with that which I'm sure we'll talk more about throughout this because it's a a big, important topic. But yeah, so in terms of like content creators are in the financial field, there's still not a lot of women. Mm -hmm. It's still not Mm 50-50. But when, especially when it's about like people who are tackling their finances that are personally interested, they don't want to do this as a career, but just want to empower themselves through, you know, personal finance. It's it's still, I feel like men are just more inclined and women take a lot, more time to actually feel like they should even enter the room or that they should participate in the conversation. 
And it's interesting because I, I know, so I, one other way I know about you. So once I, <laughs> so by the way, I stopped listening to Maple Money. And then <laughs> after that episode, I started listening to Mo Money podcast. Yay. Yeah. Very different what, podcasts. Love yeah, Tom. No, I know. But I, that but show, I but yeah, we're I, different people, right? Right. But I think what it was, was you, I knew you were in Toronto mm-hmm. and you were a woman. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about it in a way that it was just fun. You also had, there was just a, there's a sass to you that I really, really oh, liked. thank you. And so <laughs> I, yeah. So I started to listen to a lot of your podcasts and then one day I'm at work and we have like an internal intranet. So I work mm-hmm. at TD yeah. and then you're on our front, you're on our connection yes. page. I'm like, oh my God, I listen to That's her That's so, I know you're like, can I not get away from this girl? Like she's everywhere. <laughs> and I felt like telling when I know her, but I didn't know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. So anyway, you're in a great space. And I think uh, even um, Ingrid McIntosh, I've had, I've had the pleasure of doing a workshop with her. She talked about, you know, just the investing power of women and Mm -hmm. the, and which is why it's so important for us to, to really understand that we have a lot of power and we're going to have in, Mm -hmm. I think by 2030, it's, it's supposed to be in the trillions or something like that. So Mm Yeah, I hope so. I might, I might <laughs> I have the numbers so. wrong, but I thought it was it was pretty high. So yeah. tell me something, um, and maybe even just the listeners too. COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. So somebody, you know, confident with money, mm-hmm. did, like, did it bring any fear? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I panicked like everybody else. I went to the grocery store and tried to be like, stay calm. So no one thinks you're panicking, but we need a bunch of soup and pasta because we have nothing in our house. I literally spent a whole evening. No joke. I still have the spreadsheet on my computer going through every item of food we had in our house and seeing what we needed to get. And same with like toiletries and stuff. Cause yeah, I'm like, is this is the apocalypse and we have nothing. And so we couldn't even survive like a week. Cause we're those types of shoppers that we go to the grocery store every few days and get some Mm. new things for dinner Mm. and stuff. We don't bulk up at Costco Mm -hmm. and, and live off of whatever that is for a month. We don't do that. So we were scared. And in terms of the financial situation, also scared. I mean, everyone was, cause we'd never experienced anything like this. We've never experienced a pandemic on Mm. this scale in our lifetime. And so everyone immediately thinks the worst case scenario, which is like the walking dead basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we're like, okay, so here we are. Um, It also felt familiar, even though I didn't really have much skin in the game in terms of the last market crash, um, the last recession, I didn't have any money. Uh, It was still scary. (laughs) It was still scary. And I'm like, this is familiar. And I remember it literally gave me flashbacks of being in my twenties and being just broke. And it, it caused me a lot of fear. I made, you know, tried not to act on lots of my emotions, but I think I I did, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, I also experienced, you know, very rapidly, I was working with the, or going to be working with a number of companies on some projects, everything got shut down, everything got halted. And so there was a brief moment in like March, April, I had no money coming in and the stock market crashed. And I had, I was just like, well, this is, this is terrible. This is not what I signed up for, for 2020. <laughs> like I thought this was going to be my best year yet. <laughs> um, but then I also know just from reading so much and studying so much about how these things work out. Um, even though this feels like, oh, we've never experienced something like this before. It doesn't mean that it's not actually happened before. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that we won't recover. And I think that's the thing. We instantly think that this is, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Well, things can't go down forever. Things will recover. Mm-hmm. And the best thing you can do in times of financial uncertainty or just the world of uncertainty is either just act normal, do nothing, or yeah, just keep on doing 
what you were normally doing before. And that's kind of, especially when it comes to investing, lots of people freaked mm-hmm. out, made really poor choices, like pulled out all of their investments and cashed out. Mm-hmm. They're, po- they're probably really regretting that because everything mm-hmm. rebounded and you'd probably be way better now than you were before um, March. So, so the best thing you could do is sometimes absolutely nothing. So, so, so that's, I, I like that you ended there. So let's just say you are someone who didn't really have great financial habits mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now is a time where, you know, I know that I went into look at my bank account and what are all of the subscriptions that I can cancel, you know, yep. just suddenly it was just things that I realized, why am I, you know, mm-hmm. why am I paying for this? Um, so what type of monthly or weekly daily habits mm-hmm. would serve us best in these times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. The the past several months has been, a, I think, a really good wake-up call if we want to kind of look at things in a positive light. This has been a good wake-up call for lots of people who've been ignoring their finances. I mean, I've certainly worked with a lot more people that are like, I've never thought about it. And now I'm like, this mm-hmm. is the time to do it. I'm like, absolutely. In times of uncertainty, this is the time to actually take action and do something. And so one thing is like, okay, where is our money going? Most people have no idea. They don't track their spending, which I know sounds so boring, but honestly, <laughs> it's for me talking about empowerment. It empowered me with my money when I started really tracking my spending about four years ago and stay with my husband. As before, we always had, I think, an idea of where our money meant, went, but we had no data. We had no facts. Mm-hmm. And so we were guessing. And when you feel like you don't have clarity it, it makes you anxious. It doesn't give you um, confidence. And so when you do have those numbers, black and white, and every time I work with a new client, one of the first things we do is look at their net worth. It's always a big surprise to them, but then they're like, oh, it's not, it's usually they're like, oh, that's not as bad as I thought it was. Mm-hmm, and I'm like, mm-hmm. it doesn't that feel good. And then you mm-hmm. keep on doing that. Things are going to get better every single month. That's going to empower you, make you feel good and motivate you to keep on going. So going back to kind of your question, what should people do. (laughs) I definitely look at where's your money going? How can we kind of cut back on things um, that aren't actually adding value to our life? I think we're very automatic spenders, mindless Mm -hmm. spenders. Mm -hmm. So many people have subscriptions to like, like, you know, we used to kind of joke about, oh, you know, cable, no one has cable anymore. So I just have Netflix. Well, most people now have Netflix and Crave and Hey You Mm -hmm. and all these other Amazon Prime. And so that you calculate that that's almost more than cable, you know? And so we need to be more intentional with where our money is going and we need to make a plan. If there's ever been a time to really take a hard look at what's going on with our money and what do we want to happen with it? Mm -hmm. This is the time to start really thinking about how do we make a plan to achieve that? And it's interesting because you use the word net worth as you were just Mm -hmm. explaining that. And um, one of the things I learned in 2018, and I should have known, but when I sat down with the wealth advisor, I really thought my net worth, we would have just kind of looked at, you know, my investments. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we looked at, you know, it wasn't just my investments. It was what cash I had available. It was like my house. And then when he gave me a number, I was like, wow, like I felt actually more like I felt better. Like I felt better. Yeah, you're like, Oh, sermon. you mean I'm actually richer than I <laughs> yeah, think? Oh, that's I great. Thought. Not to like coin another bank's, you know, yeah. <laughs> slogan, but it's true. Like yeah. everyone's like, Oh, I'm not that I'm not as poor as I thought, or I'm richer than I thought. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Cause I think a lot of people don't take into account your net worth is all of your assets minus all of your liabilities. Mm-hmm. And that could include like, what's your car worth? Would you be willing to sell that? Do you own a home? Like what are your investments? Do you have, you know, an RSP with your employer and lots of people forget or like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing that matching program, but I don't know how much is it. I'm like, well, find out what the value is in that and put that in your net worth. Cause that is money that you are going to get at some point. There's so many things and it makes you feel like, Oh, there's more money. I just didn't realize that. 
And when you figure out that number, then that's really your true health of Mm -hmm. your financial situation. It'll give you a good indication of, okay, where are we at? So, you know, if you see that you have a lot of credit card debt, not a lot of cash and Mm -hmm. quite a bit of investments for some reason, that's kind of a weird sign. You're like, so what your priorities are are spending Mm -hmm. and growing wealth, but you don't have any cash. And that should be a big red flag. Cause as we've all seen, um, you could lose your job. Anyone can lose work or their job tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, anyone can have a financial emergency. I mean, cause you can plan, but these things happen all the time. You need cash. I've Mm -hmm. worked with so many individuals where I'm like, you, you think you're doing okay. Cause you have like $50,000 in your RSP that you're not going to touch for retirement. You have a thousand dollars in cash. Like that's not going to bloat you for a couple months. If you lose your job, like we actually, and a lot of people, I think they get some bits and pieces of financial advice from other people. Like, Oh, I should aggressively pay off debt. I'm like, honestly, you shouldn't until you have that emergency fund until you have more cash. Cause if you don't, you're just going to get into more debt and that cycle is going to repeat. So you talk a lot, um, just in my research mm-hmm. about the emergency fund. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and again, I think it's just so relevant because of the climate that we're in. Yeah. Now. So what about, what can somebody do right now? And mm-hmm. then, sorry, I don't actually know what is the math, like how much, I know yeah. you have 12 months, but how much emergency fund should yeah. an average person on average, um, for an individual three to six months, it depends on how stable you believe your work is. So mm-hmm. if you have a government job, that seems fairly stable. So you probably can get away with three months of your living expenses. And what that means is once you make your budget, um, you're looking at, okay, what is my cost of living? What are my fixed and variable expenses all added up and then times those by three. Um, if you're like, mm, I work for maybe a, a, you know, public corporation and there have been some layoffs in the past, but you know, I've been kind of safe. Maybe it's safer to do six or nine months. It really depends on what your comfort level is. Mm-hmm. If you're self-employed, the more money, the merrier. Cause if you, you know, this, I think this pandemic has really tested a lot of us self-employed people. Cause you know, whether you have a recession proof business or not, mm-hmm. I found out that I do, which I shouldn't be surprised of because people need financial help in a financial crisis time. But I was still like, I've never had this business during this kind of situation. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And also like I was kind of strategic and leading up to this point, I made sure to kind of recession proof my business. If something happened and all my, you know, brand influencer work went out the window, I still had a real business where I work with individuals. I still have products I sell and services I sell. So I, I am like, I can pivot. I can move Mm -hmm. this around. But lots of people are like, I do this one thing like graphic design. If all that work dries up, well, hopefully you have like 12 months or or something that can flow you. And another Mm -hmm. example is I have a friend, her husband works in the arts, uh, like, uh, you know, as a, an actor uh, in, in theater. And of course he's lost all his work until you know, there's a vaccine and people can go back to the theater. And so she's like, this is why it's so important to not just take someone's advice being like, have a thousand dollars in your emergency fund and you're good. It's like, she needs like 12 months because of her Mm -hmm. husband, Mm because she now has to pay for all the things and he can't get back to work until things have changed in this world. So it's take that, you know, take that kind of tip as a, you know, starting point three to six months, but then make the right decision for yourself and your situation. So as you look at your emergency fund, um, should you maybe try to cancel like for example when I have to exercise my emergency fund the car can go my cable Mm -hmm. can go like should it cover what can what is left after what can go or 
Right. So basically if you're in a financial emergency or let's say like, you know, kind of the biggest one is if you lose your job, Mm -hmm. typically, yeah, you're going to probably not just dip into your emergency fund and keep on living and contributing to your investments. (laughs) You're going to hit pause on probably some of your investments Mm -hmm. because we need cash right now. Um, and we don't know when we can, it's safe to, it only makes sense in my mind to contribute to your investments if you're bringing in new income. So if you're not, then maybe hit pause on those, uh, for a little bit. Um, and then take a look at some of your expenses, anything that's not necessary that you can also like hit pause or cancel. But then with the idea that this is temporary, I can resubscribe to this in the future when I am bringing in more money, maybe hit pause on uh, those as well. But pretty much you want to just be like, how can I continue to, you know, have my necessities, um, but just basically hit pause on all the things that aren't necessities until I get back on my feet. And since you quickly mentioned investments, are Mm. there like, what would be any smart investments to, just continue to invest in at this time, or even just advice that you could provide on that or investments Mm -hmm. that just makes no sense. Like stop it, get out. I'd say like the worst thing that I've been seeing. Um, and I got so many messages, especially in the spring when people are panicking and, and seeing all these headlines being like, this is the best time to buy because everything's on sale. Yes. However, it is never a good idea to just invest your money without an investment plan. And I think that's not talked about enough. People love to talk about what should I invest in, not why or how, Um, because without that groundwork, you're going to make some really bad mistakes. You're going to buy Tesla because that's what people are telling you to, but you don't even understand what it means to buy an individual stock and the risks involved. And you're going to be making some emotional choices that you're going to regret down the road. So really what you need to do right now, if you're not investing, or maybe you are, and you don't really know what you're investing in, Mm -hmm. um, really like talk to a professional or just educate yourself about creating an investment plan. And really what that starts with is, um, uh, you know, setting up, what are your goals? So maybe your goal is like, I just want to save for retirement. This is what I want or invest for retirement. Rather. I hate save for, for retirement. I have a friend, uh, who's a, an author and she's like, Hey, when people say save for retirement, cause people think it m- p- means putting cash in savings and you'll never afford retirement. <laughs> right. Invest for retirement is the way to do it. Um, and so take a look at your goal and then what's your time horizon. How long do you have? to reach your goal. So it could be 30 years until you want to retire. And then you can kind of uh, also take a look at your personal risk tolerance. How much risk can you personally take? Are you okay with you? You're like, oh yeah, I'm okay. Let's get me into, you know, a full equity portfolio or you're like, mm, I want some safety. So I'm going to have a good mixture of bonds and uh, uh, equities or uh, stocks rather. And then also understand what that means. Basically the more risk you hit, take on the higher likelihood you'll get higher returns. Mm-hmm. If you want safer investments, you're going to be sacrificing returns. That's just how the, the world works. And then take a look at, okay, what are my options in terms of building a portfolio, a diversified portfolio? So you're investing in lots of different companies, markets, mm-hmm. countries, and all that kind of stuff. And then there's what kind of strategy? I know this is like so much, but it's, it is kind of like a checklist of mm-hmm. things. And then once you understand that checklist, you're like, oh, that's actually not that difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I'm a passive investor. Uh, the other kind of route is active investing. So that would be like, you know, stock trading and, or buying actively managed mutual funds. I'm a passive investor. So I do prefer, um, investing in uh, low cost index ETFs or portfolio of ETFs. I also do some stock trading though. Um, that's mainly just 
for fun. Um, mm-hmm. And I have a specific percentage of my portfolio. I'm like, okay, just this amount. And that's how you're allowed to pick do- stocks. And once you've exceeded that number for the year, then you're done. You can't. And do you have get... some that does that for you? You pick your own stuff. I do, I do that myself. Yeah, okay, so I, okay. I kind of <laughs> sign up for, you know, a few websites that, uh, you know, talk about stocks a lot. And yeah. I have a set about like a little budget that I'm allowed to use. And then I'm allowed I to like kind of that. buy some stocks. And, but for me, I'm still a buy and holder. So I'm not a stock trader where I'm like buying and selling. Mm-hmm. I'm buying and never selling <laughs> until, <laughs> until, you know, because honestly, there's so much data out there that shows if you buy, I mean, obviously it depends on the stock, but if you just, you know, buy a stock and hold it for three to five years, you're most likely going to have a positive return yeah, on that yeah. investment. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, that's when I, I, that's why I'm a passive investor. I like to buy mm-hmm. and hold and wait for it to grow. So I would say that I'm a passive investor. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's what I am. Yeah. I, I do look, I do, I learned from, um, and I can't remember one millionaire guy who said, look at your investments every single day. Um, they don't really move much. So yeah. I'm assuming they're not fluctuating. He's telling you that you should look at your investments every yeah, day. He, yeah. That was what he had said. And oh, so I'm like, I would, I would say the opposite. You do as a passive investor, yeah. you don't need to look at them every day because they're, they may go up and down. Who cares? Especially right. if it depends on like, if your goal is I'm not going to retire for 30 years, then why are you looking at your investments? Unless you only really need to look at them, unless you just want to, you know, take a a good uh, kind of audit of like, how are things going? Or if you're like, something's changed in my life, I need to check, you know, maybe change the asset allocation. You know, maybe my portfolio is 90% stocks, 10% bonds. But right now I actually need something more conservative because I have some other financial obligations. Like I'm starting a family. I don't feel good taking on all that risk Mm -hmm. because maybe I have to dip into it or something. Then look at your investments and see if you need to make a change. But otherwise, Mm -hmm. you know, look at it. I look at my investments once a month. And yes. I don't touch them. So it's more just for me to type in the number into my net worth. And that's about it. I think what it did for me is it made me like a TD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, promoting TD, but we have, we have an app. And you now- do. Yes. I have, I, well, yes. as you know, I work with TD as yes, an influencer. Right. So I know a lot about their products. <laughs> and so now when I open up the app, I actually have all my, like all my bank. So I think for him, it was like the best way to start getting comfortable with your money right. is to look at your money and yeah. So I yeah. would see my investments don't fluctuate much yeah. because again, but they, it depends on what you're investing in. I'm invested. Uh, yeah. Like I use the TV direct investing, um, you know, web broker. And so that's where I invest uh, in my individual stocks. And if I were to look at it every day, day, it would give me anxiety because it is up and down because I'm in lots of growth stocks. So they go up and down hundreds, thousands of dollars. And sometimes you're like, oh, I just lost $2,000. <laughs> so I can't do that. I don't allow myself to look at it every day because it is too much for me. And that's the other thing component is there's so much emotion <laughs> when it comes to personal finance, but also investing. Yeah. And you need to just like, be like, that's just how yeah. it is. Yeah. You can't ignore yeah. it. It just, yeah. it is what it is yeah. the best, but don't act on, you know, emotions. irrational emotions. Yeah, you got to be logical. So talking about like talking about finances um, and just full transparency. Um, so that, that decision I'd made back in April, a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, in August of 2018 was really a large part of me becoming a little bit more empowered because it's mm-hmm. not just about mind, body, and soul. I think there's also mm-hmm. financial empowerment. And I recognized that my husband and I had conflict talking about finances because of mm-hmm. my shame of mm-hmm. not being confident. So then that yeah. would turn into defense mode. Yeah. Um, as I've become more empowered and knowledgeable, I find there's less, like I'm more confident. I'm like, okay, let's go and look at our insurance now. Yeah. Now we're working with, you know, we're looking, we're talking about insurance. We're talking about um, mm-hmm. our estate planning. Yes. And so it gets comfortable over time. Yes. But what is your advice? And I don't know if you work with couples 
Mm-hmm. How do we break some of that stigma? We didn't talk yeah. about it as kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, one way is to see if there's like a, a financial planner that works with a couple of, cause then they can kind of be the moderator. But mm-hmm. for me and my husband, we've actually never, well, we, we used to work with a financial planner at a bank, but didn't work out. Uh, so now we just do our own thing uh, together. And so what we do, and obviously I'm very comfortable talking about money. He surprisingly, we've been together 13 years. He still doesn't really like to talk about it. And that is his, we all have our money issues. It comes from our backgrounds, our childhood, how our parents talked about it or didn't talk about it. I've got my money issues. Everyone does. Um, and so we also need to kind of recognize our, the different kind of habits or different kind of backgrounds we come from. So for me, uh, and also like our different kind of, uh, money languages and, and our desire. Mm-hmm. So for me, my big desire when it comes to money is security. I'm always chasing security. That is something I get from my, my mom. And she got it from her dad who was, you know, uh, my grandpa's depression era baby. Right. And so he was always just, you know, very conservative when it comes to money and stuff like that. My mom also very frugal and very like, you know, always worked with a budget and it was because you're chasing security. Cause we mm. are always, always afraid. I'm never, I'm never going to have enough. And that's what mm. you're always chasing is that enough. Um, and so I have a bit of that in my, uh, in myself, my husband's a bit opposite where similar, um, in terms of, uh, he grew up in kind of like a low to middle-class family like I did. Um, but instead of being like, Oh, you know, just like kind of fearful of money, which is something that I always have to kind of overcome myself. He's the opposite where he's like, it's only money. So I'm just going to spend it and just live my life. And so we need to figure out how can we work together? Cause we're basically mm-hmm. two opposites. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, comes down to conversation mm-hmm. and openness and non uh, judgment. So mm-hmm. for us, we make it um, a habit and we have for the past four years that we have a monthly money meeting last maybe an hour, sometimes less, sometimes more. And that's when we look at our budget spreadsheet. We have a spared, uh, shared uh, Google spreadsheet. We input all of our, our income numbers because he's also self-employed, uh, you know, so our business expense numbers and all that kind of stuff. And then our personal spending numbers and then our joint kind of net worth because we do it as a family. And then we talk about it. And then we also look at our, you know, some of the goals that we've set. So, you know, we have our individual personal finance goals. So maybe, you know, one of them is like, oh, I want to take this course and save up money for that. Mm-hmm. And then we also have some together, like maybe we want to buy a new house or something mm-hmm. like that. And so we have that conversation. So it's like that dedicated time once a month that we could talk about anything. Mm -hmm. And then throughout the rest of the month, we actually don't find that we need to talk about money that much. Like we will, if we're like, oh, we're thinking, should we buy this? Or Mm -hmm. should we renovate this or Mm -hmm. something like that? But otherwise we have that dedicated time. And I think that kind of is nice because you're like, not always arguing about money throughout the month. You have that dedicated time to talk about what you need to talk about, resolve it. And then you can move forward for the next month. And having that, it does take time to get, used to that and to yeah. even look forward to it. So give it a year to really oh make it a habit. Like what well, the idea is to always be doing it. it right. Yes. yes. So 12 but months, it 12 will take time. And now he it. actually looks forward to it. Like he actually looks forward to doing it every month. You know, it actually feels good in my, like, I love the monthly money meeting. Monthly money love, meeting. Was, you can make it fun, get some every, wine, yeah, have some treats, like make I it actually, good. Like it could be a little like date that. night. I actually <laughs> like that. The other thing that you said that just resonated with me was the money language. Mm-hmm. I love how you're able to articulate not only yours, but your husband's. I don't know that I could do that with mm. mine. Like we haven't had, and we've been married for 18 years, like, Yeah, you know? Well, I think it's never too late to have conversations. Yeah. And again, I think how you have those conversations is not being like, you know, what you're doing is wrong, or I would do mm-hmm. things differently. It's really about listening 
and understanding and giving them that space to talk. What I've realized as a financial counselor, which is largely, you know, as a, it's a financial planner, but also there is that component of kind of counseling and really going a little bit deeper, um, is the best thing you could do is listen. So if even you just don't say anything, give them that space, just wait, they'll eventually talk. They'll eventually, but I think that's the trick of every therapist. If they just don't say anything, you're eventually going to (laughs) talk. I love, I love, and I just have to ask one more question before we go to the rapid survivors. Do you have boundaries? So when you get into these conversations, Mm -hmm. because I think, again, my mind went to, Mm -hmm. you know, if I spend something over the course of the month, I don't necessarily want to be challenged, you know, especially since Mm -hmm. it's already been spent. So do you have boundaries as relates to your monthly meeting? Yeah. So, so that's also, it's a good thing to bring up like the different ways you can manage your money together. So for us, we don't have kids. And so it makes it a bit easier. We kind of do everything separately. We have a few, excuse me, we have a few joint accounts, um, a joint savings account for like travel. We have another joint savings account for saving up money to pay for our yearly, you know, bills like home insurance, car insurance, property taxes, saving up money throughout the year. So we have the money when the bill comes due. Um, and then a joint checking account for groceries or joint bills. And, uh, I think also yeah, a joint credit card. Cause sometimes we put those, you know, going to the groceries, put on our mm-hmm. joint credit card. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Everything else we have is separate. So I've got my own, you know, mm-hmm. savings accounts, checking accounts, investments, same with him. And so really the decisions are really about joint bills, joint okay. expenses. Mm-hmm. Then when it comes to you, you spent, you know, this amount of money on what, we've gotten to a good place where we're, we're keeping each other accountable because we mm-hmm. show each other each, you know, our numbers, mm-hmm. but it's not about blaming or like, yeah, why did you spend that. your money on that? Cause it's like, well, as long as you are, and we also, you know, have a system where we automatically invest and save and stuff like that. It's like, as long as you're like on budget in terms mm-hmm. of the budget we've created, I don't really give a crap what you spend yeah, your money on is your like money. That. If I want to spend my money on like hoodies because it's mm-hmm. cozy and I want to buy a bunch of hoodies and mm-hmm. you know I'm gonna do that and same with him sometimes he likes to buy I don't know um you know new gear for because he works in music so he loves to buy stuff like that I'm like it, it doesn't matter as long as we continue to reach our goals do what we have to do in our budget it actually doesn't matter which gives that. us I know so we don't really fight too much about like what do you spend your money on you spent 200 dollars at Sephora I'm like yeah I did I don't know about, <laughs> I don't know about who's listening but I'm pretty sure you're like sitting there and I'm like I can get to an empowered self as it relates to finances. You've given some amazing tips and I'm excited about them. I I have to implement some of this myself. And so thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you. I said, I'm a student of this experience Mm -hmm. and I'm learning. So quick rapid thrivers. So when you think about, and I don't know who it's going to be, but when you think about someone who inspires you, who comes to mind? Um, I usually say this answer and I think my mom would be very happy, but it's my mom. I I mean, especially as I've gotten older and then I get to really understand what she was able to accomplish. She got married at 20 and my dad was 21. They had three kids in their twenties, which I don't understand at all. Like, I'm like, I'm in my thirties. I'm like, how did you do that? And they had no money. I mean, and she literally is the reason they're doing okay financially. Like he made the money, but she made sure no matter what, you know, there's times where he was laid off from work. There's all these things that happened. And she really did, you know, make sure everyone was okay. We never felt like we lacked for anything. And I'm like, I'm so inspired by that. I want to kind of take what she's taught me and kind of share it with the world. So I'd say my mom, you're doing a a great job. Let me tell you, so your mom is proud. I love it. So what is a daily activity that helps you with your thrive? A daily activity. 
Um, well, I can tell you some things that I'm starting to do that are helping. Okay. So mm-hmm. I, as someone who runs their own business out of their home office, I'm at home a lot and I work a lot and, uh, I'm always trying to find balance. I've always been trying to find balance in my life. And I, uh, like one thing that I've been doing since the spring is seeing a therapist every couple of months, which is very helpful. Um, but also, uh, being more, um, mindful and present, which is something I always work at. So trying to do the meditation, mm-hmm. trying to do something for me, like a workout or a yoga, mm-hmm. trying to be more present. And that, I think one thing I've been talking a lot more about is I think if you're like uh, personal finance or budgeting, that does not sound fun. Think of it as a form of self-care. So if you're doing other forms of self-care, this is a great way to also, you know, put in your toolbox, you know, taking care of your finances. That's another way to take care of yourself. I like that financial yeah. self-care. I never thought about that before. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. It's like, a, it makes me feel well. well. It's like, you know, we think of self-care as like get a massage. It's like yeah. also like handle your money. Yeah, because you actually feel, I, I can get it because then the anxiety is gone. 100%. And financial anxiety yeah. is actually huge. Like I, I feel like this past several years, there's November is financial literacy month and financial anxiety has been like the topic for the past several years because it's so prominent. Everyone has anxiety or shame or all these really negative emotions about money. And we need to not feel like that because money is just a tool. Money doesn't have any feelings. It's not a person. It's just a tool, but it can have a big impact depending on what choices you make. I love that. Wow. I like that financial self-care. Got it. What's a book that has helped Mm. you with your thrive? I'll tell you two books. Um, one for finance and it's one that, uh, it just, it was just the first book I read and it clicked with me and I actually know the author now. And he's amazing. He's just like, he's such a good person and makes you feel a bit better. Um, it's called millionaire teacher. And he just shares his story. He's, he's Canadian. And, but he, his story is that him and his wife, uh, moved to, uh, Asia to teach because he's a teacher. And it was about how can we figure out how to become financially independent on a regular person's, you know, an average salary, not too much. So we can live the life that we want and travel and all that kind of stuff. And it was like the first thing I'm like, wow, this is actually really cool. And it's possible because he wasn't one of those people that, because there's so many people in the fire community, which is a whole mm-hmm. community out there mm-hmm. about financial independence, retirement early, uh, that reached this crazy goal of like, oh, I was able to retire early at like 30 because they make like $200,000 a year. And it was nice to be like, this person did it on a regular salary. So I feel like I can actually do that. So it was like one of the first investing books I read that clicked. Um, but I'd say one book, which is really weird that kind of changed the course of my life was there's this book and now uh, I'm going to remember it. Hold on. It's called, if you need to cry, go outside, (laughs) (laughs) which sounds terrible. It's, it's a book. Uh, I'm going to forget her, uh, name, but so um, Kelly is her first name, but she, she was on this reality show. This is like dating me, but back when the Hills was a show, <laughs> she had, she was on the Hills and she, she worked in the financial, uh, the fashion industry. And she was just like this, you know, super strong, confident, you know, no bullshit kind of woman. And, uh, I was in Thailand. This was like seven years ago with my husband who we were traveling around for a month. Um, I ran out of books to read. We went to a, a random bookstore in uh, Chiang Mai and I found that book. I'm like, Oh my God, is that the girl from the reality show? I didn't know she had a book. And the whole book was just about, 
you know, her kind of crazy story, like she has such an amazing, crazy story, but how she just, you know, about making it work and not being mm-hmm. afraid to do things that terrify you. And so like, mm-hmm. I know like the title sounds like that doesn't sound very nice. <laughs> right. Right. It's because she's a, it's like a kind of a, I think she said to like employees being like, you know, it's just about like kind of that hustle. Don't like, keep it in. If you yeah, to cry, well, go, like, I, yeah. It's like, it's, it's very probably not even like the book. I'm like, I'm sure it affected me because I needed to hear that message because yeah, I was yeah. living in fear of, you know, mo- we were deciding whether we should move to Toronto from Vancouver or not. Should I quit my job? I was terrified of doing anything outside of my little bubble. Cause mm-hmm. this was what I was told. I was told, this is how you're supposed to live your life as an adult. I was doing all those things and I was so unhappy, but I was terrified of doing anything differently reading her book being like, Oh, come on, just do it. And I'm like, I think that's what I needed to hear at that moment in time. And I'm like, and we did it. And here we are. <laughs> and I get that. That's exactly what your podcast did yeah. to me. And it sent me on a course to be better. So yeah. I get that. And um, what is an app on your phone that helps you with your thrive? An app that Here's helps app. me. Mm, I'm going to check my app. I'm going to check here. Um, okay. You know what? I'm going <laughs> to <laughs> there's a couple. Um, well, I'd say I did recently download the Headspace app that has okay. been helping yeah, me a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, another one is just like, I have my Google photos shared, um, app with my sisters and she, you know, every couple of days puts new photos of my niece on there who okay. I can't see because of COVID because they live in uh, <laughs> Vancouver. And I know it sounds silly, but whenever I'm like super stressed or just getting I need some focus on like, what am I even doing? I'm working so hard. Like, what am I doing? Uh, I kind of look at the app to see some of her photos and videos to be like, oh, right. There's a whole life and world out there. It's not just about the hustle and work. You know, what, you know, what is your kind of why? My why is like, well, you know, I do all this so I can work for myself so I can have more freedom and time with family. I love that. And what is one misconception that people have of you? as they see you like on the podcast and out there and on TV. Mm Oh, I think a lot of people have no idea where I started from. They just mm-hmm. see where I've come, which is crazy. Cause I'm like, I know where I came from. So I don't think I'm when people are like, Oh, wow, you're doing something. I'm like, I, that's not where the, how I think of myself, you know what I mean? Like that is kind of the, the front I'm putting up so I can, you know, be an expert on TV and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think a big misconception is that I was a 20 year old, broke with a fine arts degree who had no idea what I was doing in life. And by self-educating myself and never giving up on myself, especially when it came to like trying to really make it work in this scary male dominated world, uh, in finance, look, you know, I was able to achieve way more than I ever thought I could. Like one thing I recently achieved was I was able to, uh, complete the Canadian securities course, which is not an easy program is two harsh exams. And, uh, I didn't think I was able to do it and I did it. And for me as someone who I still have confidence issues, even though I've done a lot and know a lot, I thought I was going to fail both of those exams. I've never taken an exam that was so that had like math formulas had to memorize. Um, and I did it and it just kind of reaffirmed like anyone can do this. You just have to put the time and effort into it and believe in yourself. And now you're doing the CFP. Yeah, I'm slowly working towards the CFP. It's going to take a few years, but that's the new goal. Yeah. And I have to let you know, I might have to text you the day it happens because I heard you and you're talking about your securities course and how you completed it and how it felt accomplished, like doing something. Yeah. It made me, it brought up a feeling in me, which is there's a course I did in May. It was a technology course Mm -hmm. with Microsoft and I haven't done the exam. 
because I heard the oh. exam was hard. And I'm like, you know what? I, this year is not passing without me doing it. So mm-hmm. you- and the other thing that kind of got me through, cause I knew like a lot of people don't pass the exam, uh, the first time. And I, I'm telling you, I didn't pass with blind colors, but I passed. And that's the point. Um, it's, we shouldn't be afraid of failing. We're always very focused on achieving, but actually the best thing you can do is just do it. Doing is yeah, the point, not the point. passing. Ooh, Passing's nice, but I was actually preparing myself to fail. And I did it in actually an intentional way in that I'm like, if I fail, that's okay. I'm still going to learn a lot. I'm still yeah. going to have a good experience. And that's just going to be like, okay, we're going to try again. We're not giving up. I love that. Doing is the point. That's mm-hmm. big. And so where can we find you online? You can find me uh, on my website, jessicamorehouse.com. You can find uh, my podcast for more specific, you know, finance related episodes on the Mo Money podcast. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Jessica I Morehouse. I love it. And for sure, you have to subscribe to her podcast. It is a winner. I love it. So thank you so much. Thank you for saying yes. Of course. I wanted to ask you from time and I finally just muscled up the courage. So very happy to have you here. And to everyone that's listening, I hope you feel more empowered, empowered in your finances, empowered to take different steps. But I thank you all for listening. And this is the part of the show where I say, we're out. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So there you have it. I hope you're thriving and thoroughly enjoyed this episode. And remember, whatever platform you are listening to this on, please subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast with someone else you think can benefit from the tips that were delivered. As Tom Bilya says, when we help others think in a way that is empowering, that is the lead domino to create real change in this world. It's been awesome hanging with you. I'm your girl, and I'm out.